listening to The Fickle Fanboy, brought to you by Fat Lulz Radio. Today, well, I was going to go ahead and uh, recap my feelings on Logan, now that I've seen it a couple dozen times, but I decided against that. You know, I figured that uh, I'd save that for another day in two weeks, to be exact, but... Uh, this time around, you know, I, I've been thinking, and uh, I decided that it was time to do two things. One, stop thinking. And two, with Wonder Woman only a few months away, and the last few chapters in DC's cinematic universe, being just just completely horrible missteps. Ah, shit. I figured that it was time to try and fix shit. Because I, I think that if by some chance they do Wonder Woman right, they won't have a completely clean slate. But with Wonder Woman... Uh, you know, I, I think that seeing as it's her first outing in, well, pretty much forever, I think that maybe, just maybe, we we could have some fun. And there's, there's at least a small chance that we could uh, make this movie as such that fans, uh, by and large, would be willing to... I don't know, maybe forgive. We we won't forget, but we'll forgive. And and I think that the best way in order to make this all that it could be and probably won't be 
is to look at the villains that you're dealing with. Because on the villain front, if everything is as it's rumored to be, well, Wonder Woman's going to be kind of top-heavy. No boob jokes intended. So, I, I, I won't look at all of them, but I think that uh, I, I'm going to go ahead and take a glance at the two villains that I really think, if done right, could make all the other ones seem kind of like Eric Roberts in Dark Knight. Imposing, but barely there. So, that way, if they <laughs> muck things up a little bit, it really won't be all that noticeable. And really, I think that the only two villains that you could do so right that we'd be willing to, even after everything that we've been through, Forgive the little things. Shit. I think you have to go with Ares and Circes. So, I thought that it might be a little fun to take a look at these guys, well, this guy and this gal, and figure out how they could be done justice in a movie that's, well, leading up to the Justice League. So, much like the invisible plane, which hopefully they'll leave right the fuck out. Off we go into the wild blue yonder. Because I, I, I know that most of you are probably wanting to just kick me square in the balls or in the ass. Or, if you could, both at the same time. All because I'm putting Logan on the back burner. But, like I said, have patience. And really, if you're looking for a through the eyes of a fanboy on Logan, <laughs> well, think again, motherfucker. Because, nah, no, no, just no, no, no. It ain't time. Because I'm thinking we build up to Logan. And uh, that starts next week with X-Men through the eyes of a fanboy. As we look back at where it all began for Logan. And <laughs> Charles and the whole damn group. But for this go-around, I give you the good, the bad, and the fugly. Ares and Circe's. So, because right off the bat, man, I think that, frankly, when it comes to Aries, just do us all a favor and do yourself a favor. Do away with the damned spiked helmet, okay? Just get rid of it. Unless it is a little more than something you see him wearing when he first enters the movie, and something he takes off and uh, either puts on a table or eh, 
just holds under his arm throughout most of the movie. So, in other words, unless it's just going to be a second-hand prop that you barely see, just just get rid of it, okay? But, yeah, and, and then, <laughs> while we're talking about shit that you should just get rid of <laughs> real quick, I say do away with Circe's uh, herbs and plants and uh, all that shit. And play up the sorceress side of things by making her more of uh, the witch from Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. And less Uma Thurman as Poison Ivy. Because nothing against Uma, but... <laughs> you know, that's, that's one of those moments where you can't really even blame the actor or actress. It's all about what they were given. And Uma wasn't given jack shit. Get rid of uh, both of those things. Or at least uh, just minimize them. Because, as I said, you, you can keep the helmet as long as we barely fucking see the damn thing. And you, you can even keep the herbs and the flowers and what have you. But one of the beauties of some of the best comic book movies is that as loud as fans cry for them to... You know, I, I'm all for sticking with the comic books and the feel of the comic books. Most of, if not basically 95% of the comic book story arcs. You know, the, the, the storyline altogether. But sometimes, you know, that that 5%... Okay, and then I'll, I'll even give it some leeway, you know. Sometimes it's as much as 10 to 15%. But that little piece of the puzzle, that, that slice of the pie, is when you veer off road and throw caution into the wind by altering it just, just a little bit, <laughs> tweaking it, and... I saw this in Logan, just for example. But some of the best ones out there can really have fun with this hunk of the equation by just moving things around enough where it still feels like the comic book. It really gives you the sense that they know what the hell they were doing. Because they treated the comic book and the comic book characters and the storyline with respect. If you look at Logan, I don't think you'd be able to find anybody that's familiar with old man Logan that would say that that movie didn't feel like they had done the comic book justice. And I, I know it's graphic novel to all you comic book snobs, but fuck you. But they didn't stay true to everything within those pages. 
they shuffled things around just enough that it was as if we were watching the, the comic book and everything we've ever wanted the comic book to be jump onto the screen while still feeling new to uh, at least me. I don't know about you, but it sure as hell felt new to me still. But just because it was new didn't mean and doesn't mean that it did or ever has to feel as if they've done wrong by the entities and the properties that you you all love so much and that I, I absolutely adore to an extent that I could never describe. But let's face it. If you do a comic book, word for word, <laughs> oh, hell, oh, just, just think about some of the worst comic books that you've ever read, or some of the cheesiest characters that you've come across, and then ask yourself, if down the line in... 18 years. If you hear a movie is being done, would you be okay with it if they didn't alter things just a, just a smidgen? Because I can tell you the answer. No. Just no. You, you wouldn't be okay with it at all. No matter how much you want to lie to yourself right now. Okay? You just wouldn't. If that happened... Shit. It would be... Affleck's Daredevil. All over again. To... An nth degree. Okay? Because... Yeah, that, that wasn't, you know... 110% true to every last little page of a comic book, but when dealing with some of these guys, that that's a pretty good example of just how cheesy we could get sooner rather than later. And I ain't ready for that. And if possible, I'll do whatever the hell I can to avoid it. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> You gotta shake shit up a little bit uh, every once in a while. And that's really all I want to do with these guys. Because, yeah, there's there's a lot that you can keep. But there, there's some stuff that just... No, just, just, no, just please stay away far, 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 far away. Because, for one thing, get rid of the teleportation on both of these sons of bitches. And make sure that uh, they stay their asses in their own mythical world. Okay, just do not show them in the real world. At any point in the movie, show them as uh, mere puppet masters. More so than shapeshifters. Show them as using their powers 
you know, especially mind control, and uh, th there's a few other ones that we'll, we'll get to in a second, uh, but show them as using the bulk of their powers to uh, remotely control mortals that they choose rather than taking on the forms of these mortals or taking over their bodies. You know, just, just, uh, please, don't, don't do that. Because, I mean, yeah, one of them can do that shit one time. And, you know, maybe even if you, you go about, uh, I wouldn't do it for more than, like, a scene. But you could even have them show up on Earth as uh, one of Diana's uh, best friends in the comics. And uh, we all know that that was really just Cersei's, so there you go. You know, just show her, and don't make it a best friend, don't, no, no, no. But have, at a key point in the movie, she takes over some chick named Donna's body to do just one thing. Just just one. And same thing with Ares. Just, he showed up on Earth in the comics as some gangster or a gang member or a mob boss or something like that. And, uh, yeah. That, that's all he needs to do in this. Okay? Just, that that's it. And it doesn't even have to be a mob boss. It can just be, well, we're, we're dealing with uh, World War II, so make it a soldier by uh, the same, well, at least the same first name, because then... It won't leave non-fans scratching their fucking heads. And it'll be just enough of an Easter egg that it would make fans giddy. So, yay. But if you do pull that rabbit out of the hat, please pick your battles and choose wisely. And... If you don't have to, though, don't. But I understand that once in a while, uh, Spidey Sense just tends to tingle a little too fervently. And I understand, I get that. So I will forgive you if you go the teleportation, or uh, I guess you could call it the body snatcher gimmick. If you do that for just, like, a scene, and if you do it for a scene that it would actually make a damn bit of difference. But if you do that for, eh, just for the fuck of it, no, 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 just don't. Unless you want me and uh, what I'm guessing will be a fairly large group of fans to revolt don't because yeah it it can still be a fleeting moment 
that uh, you you pick and choose and still have more weight to it than what it will probably end up being if you choose to do so. And uh, all that is is an overly cheesy moment that was completely unneeded. Those are the things, uh, just right off the top of my head, that uh, without giving them much credence, I want to get rid of, and not just kick to the curb, but punt the fuck out of the park. Kick that motherfucker so hard that it just goes off into the distance, and it's going... It's going. It's gone, you bastards. But as for the characters themselves, let's let's quick uh, look at uh, Ares first. Because Ares is one of three children of Zeus and Hera's. You know, he, he is the god of war. And it's been said that he loves battle, and not just confrontation, but battle, and uh, he loves it just for the sake of loving it. Doesn't matter which side wins, he just loves battle for its own sake and purpose on either side. The, the slaughter of men and uh, sacking of towns. Ah, shit. Oh, he just, uh, he enjoys the hell out of that shit. It really gets him off, you know. And you know, I, I really can't blame him for that. But because he just loves war, no matter who wins and who dies, and uh, what happens? Oh, because of that, he's hated by all immortals, from Zeus and Hera right on down. And you know it's got to be bad when your own mommy and daddy can't stand your ass. Everybody hates him. Uh-oh. Okay, maybe, maybe not everybody. Maybe everybody except for Aphrodite, who nurses a perverse passion for him, which ultimately leads her to bearing his three children. And I think that I wouldn't spend too much time on this, but I think that, quite frankly, you could make mention of this Maybe, just as a quick, <laughs> again, Easter egg, uh, we as fans love that shit. Have three of his fellow soldiers named after his kids, or at least named names that sound suspiciously like those of his kids. And... Uh, really, please, do up the viciousness of these two. I mean, he, he loves battle, okay? 
show him in battle. And when you do, I'm not just talking about oh, something to the effect of 300. No, no, no. I'm talking about uh, Braveheart and Saving Private Ryan all in one. And I'm thinking you do that three times throughout the first act of the movie and then show him and and don't elude to it actually show him killing somebody in cold blood just for no other reason than they looked at him wrong I, I don't know maybe they took the last biscuit at dinner I don't know but yeah even even for something as stupid as that have him take a, a dagger or his weapon of choice and just bury that bastard right in some dude's skull or his ribcage or just about anywhere that it'll do some damage. And yeah, I, I think that uh, as far as who you could get to play him, that, that's really a good question. But we need someone that we really fear. So I'm I'm thinking, oh, I don't know, someone like Charlie Hunnam. Might have to bulk him up a little bit. And, oh, I don't know, dye his hair if you want. But someone with longer hair. Uh, Nice little beard or goatee. <laughs> uh, a body on him that uh, just won't quit. Uh, you know, some muscles. And, and, and when I say some, I'm, I'm talking muscles on muscles on muscles. Uh, you know, I was just a fucking figure of speech, you literal son of a bitch. But take someone like him that has the look for and, and that can play fairly cold-hearted. And while I, I haven't necessarily seen uh, Charlie play such a character, wouldn't surprise me if he could. But take him, or... Uh, he's a little bit older, but it really could work. Ron Perlman. Just, uh... I mean, you might have to make his hair a little bit longer, and... De-age him just a tad bit. Sorry, Ron. I like you, but still. And, and yeah, I, I think that actually he very well might be a better choice for the role than Charlie. You know, but whoever you pick, at least you get the drift of what kind of person I'm looking for when it comes to Aries. So, yeah. Go with someone like that, uh, and and just stick with it. Because in the comic books, he's seen as a towering figure with uh, blue-plated armor, which uh, get rid of. Just just make uh, the armor look imposing, but make it look like something that you very well might see in, in some museum. In other words, make it look 
like it is no more than just your regular scary looking time period appropriate armor but whoever you pick in this I know I go after CGI like a damned rabid dog but that's that's for no other reason than the fact that when most people and I use that term loosely not most but people when most directors pick and choose where they're going to use CGI they tend to go with the little spots and little moments that are really just going to make it stick out like a sore thumb. But when it comes to his look, in one of his incarnations, he's uh, got what's basically I, I can only describe as a demonic face uh, hiding behind the helmet, which, no, no, no. Make him look weathered as all hell with scars and maybe uh, some burns but no don't don't make him look like Quasimodo or like you did Red Skull in the first Captain America movie but give him a, a face that while human still looks just looks scary as fuck and if you do that then give him the temperament that he just kills just because he can and loves war and loves starting it and loves fighting in it and all that jazz. Yeah, I, I think that would really make him kind of fucking creepy in the best way possible. And part of the reason that I did pick Charlie before I came to the uh, pretty much foregone conclusion that Ron or uh, someone of Ron's caliber might be a better way to go was only because, really, he's the only blonde actor that I can think of that has the possibility of getting where I think this character really needs to go in thought process, emotionally, just pick away and, and that's, yeah, I, I think that he, he has the best chance to get us where we need to arrive to with this character. And in the comic books, in one of his latest uh, renditions, Ares was blonde, but that's... You know, again, that was just my attempt to maybe go with something that even looks like uh, what you might expect if you were a comic book fan. But that's, that's not something that we have to absolutely positively stick with under penalty of death. Because in his New 52 get-up, he was also seen as... A tired old man. Which, before you come after me, Ron, I'm not calling your ass a tired old man. I'm voting for you in 2020, okay? I'm just putting that out there. But, I'm just saying that 
the look for this character has pretty much run the gamut. So, what's inside is, frankly, more important than anything. But, no matter what you do, or who you pick, it's gotta be someone who, even out of the armor, would probably be pretty damned physically imposing. And while he has a good amount of history between him and Diana, I think that, really, you need to and step away from that a touch and make his beef with us, the humans. You need to give him a backstory, and, and this could even be the battles that you see him involved with, or starting, or pulling the punches of. But you need to show him as being the one that really is behind every major war that we've had up until this point. The Revolutionary War, the Civil War, but, yeah, show him as, even from his own world, watching the battles and the wars as a whole going on and people dying and getting about as much joy out of it as I used to, King of Queens, for no other reason than to see Leo Remini in a v-neck. His, his strength, or at least one of them, isn't just his physical strength. In the comic books, and hell, even throughout history, his strength has been to manipulate and scheme. So, why not show him as being the reason behind every single moment that good men and women have died. I think that if you see a man who, by the end of the movie, we're sure that he'd kill you just as soon as step in your direction, if you see a man like that, who is as giddy as a fat boy in a candy store, just by being able to watch somebody get run through with a sword or shot in the arm or in the chest or in the back even by a musket. If you see someone who takes just pure fucking joy out of a moment like that when he's not killing people on his own. I think that, I mean, that that's the base for doing this guy right and really making him memorable. And you could have a moment where you allude to the history between him and Diana, you know, him being a mentor of sorts. But, I mean, you could, but you don't have to. You could just allude to them having some sort of history. And there you have it. 
know, maybe not a mentor, but someone that she's uh, looked up to in the past. Because, uh, I mean, I, I know that in the movie, just judging off of fucking trailers, uh, that Amazons are supposed to be where they've never even seen men. But even if it's just that she knows he exists, but has only ever heard of him, I don't know, by reputation or she's ever has she ever read a book? I mean, it could be books. I mean, anything. She knows of him and looks up to him because of his accomplishments in battle. But you don't necessarily have to have them be father and daughter kind of buddy-buddy. You know, just you don't have to have that. And I could go on. Because, ah, shit. We're talking about a man who first appeared in Wonder Woman in the summer of 1942. But that, that really just opens him up to being able to go places that is still true to the comic books. But that no one knows where the hell you're going to go. Because continuity, especially in comic books when dealing with different writers and different artists throughout the years for various versions of whether it be Ares or Joker or Lex Luthor or any number of people. They've been done so many times in so many ways that there's so many ways that you could do them and still stay true. Hell, you you could take a little bit of this version, and a little bit of that version, and a little bit of this version over there, and you could still make fans happy. But people like these guys have had various personalities and various traits, and have been presented, again, various ways, uh, though in, in the case of Ares and uh, both him and Cersei's. They, they've both been depicted in many ways, but uh, they've all, in one way or another, uh, resembled the Greek gods or, or figures in Greek mythology that uh, they're supposed to be named after. But my point is, don't be afraid to have a little fun. Because as long as he's got... Uh, an axe in one hand and a damned long sword in the other and is just a big hulking bastard that is not afraid to slice you and dice you. I think that if you show him as that and then show him as emotionally creepy and scary and any other E that you can think of, as all fuck. I think you're golden. And, and don't ever call him Mars. Because much like some of the other stuff that we decided to get rid of, that's just cheesy as all holy hell. Show him as, while he's not afraid to get his hands dirty and you see him <laughs> committing all but cold-blooded murder, the reason he starts 
this is he, he's been working up to his vision of eternal war on earth for a very long time and he feels as if there there's a good chance that he's right damn there and he's about to realize his vision you know i i know i said you could kind of allude to his doings with aphrodite and if you do that you you kind of run the risk of showing him with a heart but no no you don't have to show him as taking advantage of her and uh, her feelings for him and show him as being able to use her and uh, toss her away like uh, yesterday's garbage and then you can take that conflict between the two and mold it in your own way shape it into whatever ultimately makes Aphrodite create Amazonia because yeah, she she creates Amazonia and the Amazons as a whole so you could really use that but after those two bump uglies and then he just says well, bye. Then, he really gets down and dirty. After getting dirty with her. Because I figure, if you spend the first three or four minutes, maybe five, but uh, please don't go much farther than that. But if you spend that time setting up conflict between those two, showing that they truly, at one time, at least Aphrodite, truly cared about him, then you would feel her plight and understand at least where she was coming from when creating the Amazonian women and their little island. But then you could kind of speed up time, and as I said, go through uh, even more of his backstory. You know, the whole being shunned by the parents and being uh, the cause of uh, and uh, the continuation of every single war that uh, we've ever known as a society. And then it would lead us from the creation of Amazonia to war after war after war, and then his backstory, and uh, Diana's, because we could see Diana being born, and give Cersei's uh, some sort of backstory that uh, is even slightly related to Amazonia, <laughs> but not her real backstory, because... I'm sorry. What, what, what was I saying? Oh, oh, that's right, that's right. So, we we could basically take the next, oh, 10 minutes, uh, 15 tops, and really cover all that shit. And 20 minutes in, and uh, we're set to go. Because 
then we'd be where we need to be. And, you know, we'd give all the characters that really we need to give a shit about a little bit of uh, backstory and uh, conflict and reason for being. And, yeah, I said the only ones we need to care about because there's uh, Steve Trevor and I like Pine, but I don't care at this point because... We could land smack dab after 20 minutes right into World War II and show a plane about to run a mission of its own with Steve Trevor as a co-pilot and some dude that's being controlled by Ares as the pilot. Because at one point in the comics... Ares tries to start World War III. But I think that you could take that moment and turn it on its ass and make it work for World War II. He wouldn't be starting World War II, but you could twist it just enough that you you could really make it work in the midst of the Second World War. And, you know, I I haven't even gotten... I feel kind of bad. (laughs) Mind you, not too bad, but kind of bad, because I haven't even gotten to Cersei yet. We'll get there. Because you can't have Ares without Cersei's. Because, hell, they even had a kid at one point in the comics. So, actually... Knowing how he treats women by this point in the movie, we could really have a lot of fun with that. A little bit of a unrequited love. You know, no, 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 no. We already saw unrequited love. I say that we make these two actually love each other. But show it as some of the most twisted, fucked up love that you've ever seen in your life. I'm talking about the kind of love where they're lovey-dovey in the most messed up way that you could ever even think to lay eyes on. But it's obvious that they're only lovey-dovey and they're only showing each other affection because they're using the other one to get what they want. Really, that... That's all you need, is this little give and take where you don't realize uh, they're, they're just using the other one and getting what they want. And because of that, they show them all the affection in the world, but make it some of the most sarcastic affection that uh, you could possibly put on screen. And... Uh, that their uh, whatever they got going on could actually give some weight to the idea that by the end of it, I, I don't know about Cersei's, but Ares needs to die because uh, Diana in the comics took a battle axe and used it 
to strike Ares in the head and splitting his helmet in two. So that that that's one time in the movie that I will say it's okay for him to wear the helmet is when they come to blows face to face. And in a moment like that, you have to see Wonder Woman damn near get her fine ass handed to her. But just when you think that, well, you you know she's not going to lose because we saw her in Dawn of Justice. But just when you start to question yourself and what you saw, well, that's when she grabs that nearby axe that's laying on the ground and gives Ares the worst damned headache that anybody has ever fucking gotten in their whole damned lives. And in that moment, right before he dies, in in New 52, with his last dying breath, he forgives and commends what, uh, in that moment, is his pupil. After they've been on the outs for quite some time. So, in the moment right before... She splits his noggin in twain. I, I I want you to give a moment where he kind of recognizes that uh, the the creation of the woman that once was madly in love with him, and possibly his only chance at love. You know, give him some kind of recognition that. He helped create them, and as much as he has a distaste for, well, maybe not a distaste, but a a definite and disrespect for women, show him as, in his last moments, giving that respect to the Amazonian women and all women. Because this woman, who he's looked down on her and her kind, is one of the most formidable foes that he's ever come up against. So, uh, again, that's not ripping from the comics, but that's giving a moment where it's just familiar enough that, uh, well, fans would just eat it up. And even those who aren't fans would, because, hell, if, if she's taking down a god that represents war and violence and anger and hate and death and bloodshed and murder I kill. I think that if you take her and, and do this, it could be kind of a cool moment to not really go out on, but wind things down in the movie with. Because... Uh, especially after you've seen him already in battle on the battlefield, where his armor is virtually indestructible and even his wounds heal. Uh, Almost uh, make it kind of like a Deadpool or Wolverine kind of thing, and allow him to regenerate. And if you show him as doing that at the beginning of the movie, and then 
show that axe and just go right down the middle at the end of the movie. Well, I, I think that would be badass. So, yeah. There's Ares and his backstory that you could show and why he's there and how he can manipulate the movie and uh, what happens once Diana uh, meets up with uh, Steve Trevors and is involved in World War II. And you have his death. So, but, uh, before we move on, to Cersei's, uh, let, let me just say this. I know it's a DC property, but we've already taken from DC and a little bit of Greek mythology, which, really, the two were so damned closely knit that uh, from taking from one didn't exactly mean you couldn't take from the other. But... Because this is also a character that you saw in the Marvel Universe, I think you could take from that without really getting into any kind of court battle. Because, yeah, he, at one point in the Marvel comics, creates an organization and uses them to create war on Earth. Using his own little army, you know, his generals and all sorts of uh, underlings. And I think that within the uh, bond between Cersei's and Ares, I think that as they work together, you could actually see moments where, even if it's just someone coming in uh, for... I, I don't know exactly how you would do it, but yeah, make it uh, known and, and obvious that these guys, whoever it is, work for them. But you, you could make it their own little organization, or term it how you will. But however you do it, you gotta do it right. But now... It's uh, finally time to get to Cersei's, so. Because, like I said, you need to go full-blown witch or sorceress on her ass. I know that in Greek mythology and in the comics, she is able to, with, the, with a, a slight twitch of the finger, turn men into animals. But, no. No, 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 just don't, don't. You can do it one time and make it worthwhile. Turn some poor bastard into a pig. And I'm talking one of those hogzilla hogs. I mean, just a big song bitch. But when she does, she leans down and treats it as if it's a pet. And it's it's kind of cute and kind of funny, but that, it only lasts a good 20 seconds. And then she stands up, turns around, and orders somebody to 
take it with the rest. And you don't know what the rest is. You just kind of are left to think and, and guess. And again, when it, when it comes to animals, I forgot about this part. Ares was known in, in mythology to have um, a flock of feather dart dropping birds. And I think that this would probably be badass right there in uh, the beginning battle scenes. But don't make it a flock. Make it a swarm. And I'm talking hundreds, if not thousands, that just black out the sun. But thousands of vultures that either swoop down and attack or drop darts or I don't know what darts drop something but you get the point and and when they drop whatever it is remember don't just kill the other side show some collateral damage when he's on the battlefield because he never had any sort of allegiance I mean when it comes to uh, anything. So that's how he needs to be uh, right now. But we need to get to Cersei's, damn it. Because she is a major adversary to Wonder Woman. And she's just as old as Ares. Well, maybe a little younger. Uh, but yeah, she, she showed up in 1949. And again, this this is another one that, when it comes to the look, you can kind of mess with, because the chick was originally blonde, and at one point or another, in uh, 1988, when she was reimagined at the beginning of that summer, she had violet hair and red eyes, which you could have moments where her eyes turn red. Or flash red, but that, that that's about it. Don't don't go much farther than that. And as far as the violet hair, no no, stick with the blonde hair that she originally had. Everything else you can play with, but stick with that. In fact, make her little more than an evil, badass, bloodthirsty, just no good version of Pam Anderson or Anna Nicole Smith, maybe even with bigger tits. But hair color aside, and uh, cup size aside, just all, all looks aside, all these versions that she's ever, ever endured have retained a set of key features. And, and, and the key features that uh, she's always had aren't on the surface, but within. Because she delights in humiliation, which that right there is her, her main reason for being when it comes to her association with Ares. Because she, she hates men. We, we can give her some sort of backstory that deals with the Amazonian women. Maybe not as such as we've known it in the comics, but 
the, the bare bones of the reason that she hates the Amazons stick there. You know, just, just the fact that there has to be some kind of conflict between them or their, their leader and Cersei's. Stick with that. But because of that, she hates both the Amazons and well, give, give her some reason. You know what? Make it that she's dealt with men, but been done wrong by every last one of them. To the point where she hates men, which makes her reason for being with uh, Ares all, all the more perplexing. But, yeah, make it so <laughs> she hates both Wonder Woman and, and her whole damned island and men altogether. And that's why she almost admires what Ares is doing. Because she hates men, so to see them kill each other just brings her, like Ares, brings her some kind of fucked up joy. But uh, when it comes to her, whatever sort of association she has with the Amazonian women... You can make it so that it's uh, more with Aphrodite uh, than anything. Maybe maybe even have her and Aphrodite, I don't know, fight for uh, the same man who yeah, could or could not be Ares. Uh, that's, that's your pick. But have, have them have conflict as well. And, and actually, that could be the reason that she hates the Amazons. Because it was Aphrodite's creation. But she's a, a centuries-old enchantress. Which, uh, we, we've got to make her a lot more believable than enchantress was. But, centuries-old enchantress who gets her power and is, is kept young by an elixir. Which... Let's not make it an elixir, but uh, I think that we could use the combination of herbs and plants kind of deal and put uh, rose petals and other flower petals and, and herbs and things of that nature into a garden. In the middle of that garden is a, a pond, but whatever's in uh, there isn't water, but uh, even so, it is what she bathes in. So, whatever's in there is keeping her young. And, yeah, part of the power that she holds can be turning men into an animal or two within her own world, but when she uses it on Earth, they, they don't turn into the animal. But you see them within gaining some sort of animalistic trait. Usually one that brings out the worst in them, temperament-wise. But even though most of her distaste for the Amazonian women comes from her dealings with Aphrodite, 
make her dealings with Wonder Woman's mommy just as, if not even more, hostile than her dealings with Aphrodite. Then, when she goes off before Wonder Woman is even born and becomes the strong, independent, nefarious sorceress that uh, we will come to know her as, well, well, she's off doing her own thing. An oracle comes to her. And, you know, no, no, no. I mean, that that's the way it happens in the comics. But when she goes off on her own, her backstory is set. But continue it by showing her throughout time on her own before meeting up with Ares is kind of going crazy. And and when I say that, I mean going crazy in the way of, in her dreams, she has premonitions, kind of like when Anakin saw Padme. But these premonitions lead her to believe that Wonder Woman will be her undoing. And of course... You can show that just like the comic books, that somehow or another, this eventually backfires. And the, the images and moments that she foresaw, yeah, they, they, they come true, but not in the way that she saw them. It's kind of like last season when I ran down Perdegaton. And, and how you could do him on screen and do it right. But things didn't go the way he thought that they would either. But yeah, show her as doing everything that she can to make sure that that prophecy isn't fulfilled. But everything that she does eventually leads to the moments that she saw and just not in the way that she saw them. And and show that in the end, there was nothing that she could do to make sure that the prophecy didn't come to be. Because in the end, well, I suppose you can't win them all, right? But that that's just her story as it pertains to mostly what she has within her. When it comes to her action, well, that's when you need to use her power of mind control. Because she helps Ares control the war with the power. Really, it's almost like a Jedi mind trick, but on a whole nother level. As she pulls the strings of both people like Hitler and... Churchill, and Lord knows how many others. So, this is one fucked up pain in the ass bitch. And you gotta show her as such. But, unlike uh, Ares, don't don't make her completely cold-hearted. I mean, yeah, make her cold-hearted as hell. But, give her... <laughs> you know, just to make her interesting, give her a slight 
girlish quality to her. And I'm not talking about a full-grown-ass woman. I'm talking pouting like she's seven years old. And didn't get her way in Toys R Us. And, and, and make it when she doesn't get her way. Make her pout because she didn't get her way, and her way would have involved death and destruction. Because how, how fucked up would that be? Ares, who just adores war, denying the woman that he supposedly loves, who wants to do one thing or another, that all it would mean is death and destruction. And the same shit you see in a war. And uh, before I go much farther, I forgot. Sorry. Uh, when it comes to who could play her, take Juliet Landau in Buffy. You know, Drusilla. Take her. And if you don't cast Juliet Landau altogether, someone like her. Someone that gives off that not only strong femininity that is kind of menacing in its own little way and still kind of sexy, but also that wonderful quality that you don't know whether she's going to, at least around men, kiss them or kill them. And after seeing so much of why she hates... <laughs> All Amazons. When she and the Amazon to beat all Amazons finally go toe to toe, have her reveal that that fight is, is in a way, kind of special to her. Because she hates Diana the most. Because of Diana's belief in a better world. That, frankly, She's never seen before in, in any world. And actually, we could use Diana's belief in a better world in a, in a moment. But let's keep going with Cersei's. Because you're talking about a, a goddess-level sorceress that is able to transform reality and solid matter. And right there... I think that what you need to do is fuck the golden lasso and all that shit that I ranted and raved about when we first saw this trailer. But what we need to do is make things grounded in this movie to the point where the the mind tricks and the, the tricks of the eyes that they do play that make Inception just look like child's play. I mean, because if she can alter minds and reality and all sorts of fun shit like that, yeah, I mean, not all that's going to work on another god or goddess, but they could really have some fun with it. And, and another thing that she does have is the ability to fire Destructive magical energy blasts. And I think that the only way to do that, if you leave that in, which I don't know if I would, but if you leave that ability in, the only way to go about it is to think Emperor 
in Return of the Jedi. All right? So, if you stick with that, I think you could do that one power justice if you did it once. Just, just one moment in anger, and she roasts some poor dude. And, and at the beginning of the movie, or at least the beginning of uh, her stint in it, you you can take or leave the fact that she was born a princess. You, you could possibly do quite a bit with that, but you you don't necessarily have to have it. It's up to you. And as far as her, that's another thing. I, I kind of forgot this earlier, but... When it comes to her uh, hatred for men, you could use this, and, and I don't know how you would incorporate uh, Ares or uh, even Aphrodite into it, but uh, Cersei's at one point or another. Shit. She killed her weak-willed husband and was forever banished from her homeland. So, I mean, you you I've already brought up the whole thing of, you know, her leaving on her own and going off on her own and, and doing her own damn thing and how she leaves and all that other crap. But the whole killing her husband thing might go a good long way in magnifying her strong suit, which is her ruthlessness. And advancing the whole damn movie. So, because in a movie that I'm, I'm trying to keep grounded in real life, that's probably the best bet as far as when you piece all those little moments together, that's your best bet. Because uh, otherwise you're wading in the pool of hokiness. Because, uh, yeah... She debuted in 1949, but hell, the chick wasn't even used hardly for most of a, a good 40 years. So she she really doesn't give us much to go on when it comes to her reasoning for doing what she does. And some of that reasoning is kind of cheesy, which... And just won't cut it here. So, yeah, you you have her, her reason for being, and her reason for doing what she does, and uh, you have a idea of what she wants in the long run. And then, of course, you have superhuman strength and uh, charisma and. Uh, the alchemy that comes along with being a witch and all that good shit. So you you have just about everything that you need in Cersei's now. And with her and with Ares, you have their backstories. You have things that could directly affect... Diana, and that are so damned closely knit to her that you basically get a Diana backstory without really having to uh, sit through 
three different backstories just to get to the fucking movie. And then you have... I, I haven't even really touched on Steve Trevor's and World War II because, well, uh, there, there are these things, okay? You, you may have heard of them. They're called history books. And, and, and then there's this great thing. I, I, I just heard about it. But it's this, this, I don't even know all the ins and outs, but it's called the Internet, okay? And what you can do is you can either, either open a book, uh, what's called a history book. It's got all history in it. That's all it's got. Or you can go, it's a search engine. And what you do is you actually type in stuff. And all you'd have to do is type in WW2. Now, now don't look at the drop-down menu. Because what would probably happen is WWE would come. And then under that is WWF would come up. And you, you don't want either one of those. But reading about the atrocities that happened. And actual battles. And actual deaths. And all these other little stories. That actually happened. You have a damn good sense of how to treat that whole part of it. And then, if you, if you know how to treat World War II and not make it seem just dumb as fuck on a movie screen, you can figure out ways to be able to incorporate these three characters and not make it seem like a complete letdown. And at the end of the movie, you can possibly... Yeah, you could kill Cersei's if you want. I don't know how you want to handle that. I know we kill Ares. That's all I know. I'd probably kill Cersei's too, just so we don't have to deal with her later on. But as far as how, just like Ares, give it some weight. But even after she, she being Wonder Woman, has saved the day, this is where... The moment that she's given of dialogue in Dawn of Justice comes straight into play. Because it's at that point, after she does away with what she has to do against Ares and Cersei's, and seemingly seems to kind of sort of save the day, you have her go back to Steve Trevor's. And the whole damn group who are still in the middle of a fucking war. And, and she doesn't quite understand it. She, she did away with those that were manipulating everyone. And yet, he, human nature dictates that they're still in the thick of it. And, and as... As good of a, a warrior as Diana is, she doesn't get this one fact. You know, she, she doesn't get this moment. She doesn't understand it. And this ultimately causes her to come into conflict with humankind altogether. 
No, she she sees a nature within mankind that disgusts her. You know, and, and, and almost makes her regret having helped at all. And it's this one cold hard fact and so much more that causes her to regretfully, although not so regretfully, walk away and just want nothing to do with mankind ever again. Because as hopeful and as optimistic and just overall do-gooding as she was through most of the movie, seeing that even after everything that they've been through together, that uh, the Allied forces even will continue the fight no matter what until the war is said and done and uh, the axis of evil is gone forever. Well, which we all know is bullshit because it's never been gone. There's just been different axes of evil. Ax, ax, ah, fuck, who cares? Because we're almost done here. But because of it, she just walks away. Hurt, disillusioned, disenfranchised, and disgusted. That's the end of the fucking movie. No clear-cut victory. No clear-cut happiness. Just bye-bye. And there you have it. It's the only way you can do this movie justice is really in one way or another, doing three things justice. World War II, Circe's, and Ares. Because by doing Ares and Circe's justice, you do Wonder Woman justice in a way. And by doing Wonder Woman and World War II justice, you do Steve Trevor and the rest of those guys justice in a way and there you have all those pieces you put them together you got one hell of a puzzle and you've done it all justice in a way and would you look at that really at at the beginning of this I had no idea where the hell I was going with it by the end I was I got to a point where I was just rambling truth be told I mean I, I hate to admit it but fuck you yeah that, that's mostly what I was doing uh, for, well, about toward, towards the end of Ares and, and most of Circe's. But wouldn't you know it, fuck, however we got there, uh, I don't know what breadcrumbs to follow back, but we got there. We did it. We, we did these guys and the whole goddamn movie justice. So, well, I'll be fucked. But if you like this, or if I at least made what you thought was going to be horrible and made it enjoyable and gave you any sort of faith and hope for this movie, well, go 
and uh, subscribe via iTunes. Uh, rate and review this uh, whole damn show. Or just this episode. I, I don't care. But do it. And find me on Instagram or on uh, Facebook on either the Fickle Fanboy page or Fat Lulz Radio page. And they're on Instagram and on Twitter as well. So find either one of them. But uh, either way, whether it's me or them, find us on social media. Because you got to do something until I come back around in two weeks. So, but until next time. This has been a Fat Lulz Radio production. For more shows like this, go to soundcloud.com slash Radio. And, well, with that said, I'll be seeing you.